0: hello everybody welcome to the roadie on the horn podcast today is january 4th 2022 first podcast of the year for us I mean, I mean, wow. I mean, incredible. So excited to be back. You know, my great friend Donnie is joining me again for another episode, another year of Brody on the Horn action. So first and foremost, Donnie, how are you doing today? And I mean, shout out to you. I mean, you came back for another year. So I just wanted to let you know. It.
1: Yeah, you know, um, unfortunately, I'm also a, a host of this podcast. I, I'm, so so <laughs> that's true. So me, me coming back was like, it was pretty much like laid out there guaranteed for me. It was, it was in my contract from the start. So it's like, you know, here I am. But I'm doing well. How are you?
0: You know, I'm doing great. I mean, it's very true what you said. We just alternate the podcast. But, you know, that's how this works. That's me. So I'm up right now. And, you know, we got some football to talk about. And we got actually like cool college football to talk about. We had kind of lollygagged a little bit through bowl season because we were like, all right, I mean, here's some like random six-win team from the MAC playing some team from the mountain West. And I was like, all right, but we actually got college football playoff games. Those weren't unfortunately not very close games, Georgia and Alabama kind of steamrolled their opponents sec dominance. It just means more. It it shows up again. We're going to get another Alabama, Georgia championship game, just as we saw in 2018. And just as we've seen in the last couple sec championship games outside of last year when Florida made it, but um, those two teams, they're going to be squaring off again for the championship So that'll be an interesting one that neither game was very close. So we can kind of fast forward and turn this into a preview. I mean, I was a little surprised, Donnie, that Georgia is favorite in this game. Like Alabama just beat them, you know, pretty handedly like last month in, uh, in, you know, in Atlanta. So I was a little surprised to see that Georgia was a favorite in this game, um, you know, over Alabama. But um, what are your thoughts overall on the matchup um, that we'll see again between Alabama and Georgia?
1: I don't know. Maybe I am a little bit surprised, but I don't think that this like three and a half or whatever the line is at now will stay that way. Like, let's just be realistic here. You can't give Bama points in any game ever. Like they shouldn't be the underdog and especially like this in a game where they just played. And, and like, unfortunately for us as viewers, that was not a great game. Like it was, it was an okay football game. You know, obviously you got to watch, um, Alabama do what Alabama does you know what you're gonna get out of Alabama um and they steamrolled Georgia pretty good I I guess that there's some thought out there that oh this Georgia team has magically fixed their their issues to the point where they're, they're not only like gonna be competitive but also may end up like stopping them from scoring 40 points which you know I I find it hard to believe after watching what Alabama did last week on it even didn't put up that many points, but man, the defense that Alabama put up against Cincinnati was just ridiculous. And if they do it against Georgia, if they play a similar game, like I, I find it hard to believe that Georgia even has a chance at that point. And that's sad to say, considering this is one in three, I believe Georgia's number three in, in the rankings right now, but um, yeah. clearly the top two teams in, in you know college football right now.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I agree with that analysis. Definitely surprising to see that Alabama is trailing Uh, You know, in terms of the point spread, at least for me in this one. I mean, for me, I think how I kind of look at it like the Georgia Michigan game that we just saw in the playoff. I feel like that game kind of went how every Georgia game went this entire year, except for the Alabama game like Georgia steamrolled everybody because their defense was incredible. They suffocated teams. Michigan only scored 11 points like regularly Georgia was not allowing very many points to anybody who they were playing. It didn't matter who, and their offense was still able to put up, you know, a sizable amount, 34 points is what Georgia ended up scoring in this game. But the Alabama game was different because they really kind of made Stetson Bennett kind of work for it a little bit. You know, Alabama was able to kind of shut down the run a little bit and they forced in them into some more obvious passing situations. And then we saw Alabama um, have some kind of impact plays from their secondary in terms of their pass coverage. Um, outside of a a few plays that Bowers had. Georgia's really good freshman tight end. But um, I think that's where that game was a little bit different. And um, the fact that obviously Alabama has an advantage in terms of their quarterback, they've got the Heisman winner and not Stetson Bennett. But it will be interesting, obviously, the fact that Alabama will still be without John Mechie, who they had in the SEC title game. Um, You know, obviously, Jamison Williams, how he does, was a big storyline going into the Cincinnati game. And he still performed pretty well, seven catches for 62 yards um he had in that game but um i mean it's still a lot of young receivers for alabama but um i I, was just kind of interesting that like every georgia game has kind of gone you know the same way except for the alabama game um who was able to kind of play them differently and that's who they're going to play again in the championship
1: yeah and i mean i think you can look at it like you know alabama you know obviously we knew what cincinnati was going to bring to the table we knew there was always a chance that this would be that type of game um it's more unfortunate that we can never get, like, a team like that that really, like, does something when they get to the college football playoff. It just makes, like, the, the lower-end teams look bad. We knew, like, if you watch this game, you knew, like, Alabama, they're probably going to come in. They're probably going to do everything they want to. is not going to do anything they want to. We're going to get to a point where, you know, as as bad as I feel for Desmond Ritter because I don't think he helped his draft stock in the slightest by playing – what would probably end up being one of the more mediocre useless games of a quarterback against Alabama this year. Um, it's not his fault. And I mean, you could say again, it's like, is Stetson Bennett even on the same level as Desmond Ritter is as an offensive, you know, talent. And the answer is no. So, you know, as much as you'd like to say, Oh, it's like, you know, Georgia can keep up or anything. Um, we've kind of established at this point that Alabama is cream of the crop yet again, and they're going to be cream of the crop regardless. And as you mentioned, the big difference is just having that quarterback and we've seen it year after year in the cultural play, whether it's Deshaun Watson or something along those lines, the best quarterback is going to show out. It happens every single time. And I think, you know, it, Georgia gave up like nine points per game this year and everything. But if Alabama put up another 35, 40 spot, would you be shocked? Cause I certainly wouldn't.
0: Yeah, it was forty-one twenty-four was the final score game. of the SEC championship game. So, I mean, I could see this game being a little closer, but I still think Alabama going to win this game. And I, you know, I'll admit I was wrong about how kind of the playoff games played out. I thought they were going to be much closer, much more competitive games. Um, I thought both of them were going to be much more, competitive. especially
1: Georgia. Though you right. thought that I, I especially, I especially thought that game would be at least. Competitive, yeah. Because I mean, it's like you finally get a Michigan team that like t- did something right. Like, as as harsh as that may sound, like this is a, this is a Michigan team that has really just underwhelmed whenever they have expectations. And this is a team that finally makes a, a what looked like a Cinderella run, considering they were not very highly ranked last year for the majority of the start of the year. And then you know, obviously, they go out to beat Ohio State, and then they they steamroll at Iowa team. You're thinking, oh. Like, you know, maybe this is maybe this is the year. And then it turns out it's just it's not the year. It's absolutely not the year unfortunately
0: georgia really shut down michigan's run game but i'm with you i thought it was definitely going to be a much more competitive game and on the flip side michigan you know a lot of storylines with their two edge rushers you know aiden hutchinson going to be one of the top picks in the draft david ojabo he actually just declared for the draft as well definitely has a chance to be a first-round pick but georgia you know they have the talent on their offensive line to kind of match that and um they were still kind of able to put together some sort of an offense and Um, James Cook especially had a really good game uh, for Georgia they just have a lot of different weapons that they can kind of throw at you but um, yeah I mean uh, again like it'll be a little bit different than the SEC championship game because Alabama is missing some players they had in that game um, but that was something I thought was going to derail them in the Cincinnati game, and it didn't come to the conclusion. So I definitely have Alabama in the championship game, but we'll see how that kind of plays out um, once we get that game. One more game, though, that I wanted to hit on in college football was the Rose Bowl this past week. And there were a couple of really good games on January 1st, but the Rose Bowl in particular was an incredible game, definitely an instant classic between Ohio State and Utah. This was a game that ended up being 48 45, Ohio State. It was a back and forth game. Teams were flying in terms of scoring points. Utah got a kick return touchdown and Ohio State was just knifing through Utah's defense. Utah was literally playing a running back at starting cornerback. I couldn't believe what, what was actually going on, but uh, they definitely took advantage. Jackson Smith and Jigba for Ohio State who came into this year basically as like the number three receiver, not to the fault of his own, but just because he's behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who very well have a chance to go in the first round themselves. They don't play in this game. So it's all Jackson Smith and Jigba. He has over 300 yards, three touchdowns, a bowl record. For receiving yards in this game just an unbelievable performance with he and cj stroud so obviously now i'm very excited to watch them play again next year and they're gonna have way high expectations but um that was just an incredible performance for smith and jigba in this game and um i was glad to see ohio state win for that reason uh even though it was a, a an incredibly uh competitive game uh and back and forth
1: yeah, and you know, obviously, we have a, a Utah listener, and Eric, who is probably yeah. not very thrilled at the uh, <laughs> at the performance. You know, obviously, you give up three touchdowns to multiple receivers in the same game. You know, you're thinking, "Oh, this is that's not what we're looking for if we want to win a football game." And that's that's exactly what happened. Obviously, Marvin Harrison has a kid. Didn't know yeah. about that until then. These Marvin are Harrison's fourth kid is very, say, a lot of very quality at, at football. Yeah. You know, who's surprised? But um, yeah, uh, you know. Utah looked like they really had this game. Like, they looked like they were pretty much in command. Like, even at halftime, you were thinking, oh, it's like they just put up, like, like five touchdowns in the first half against an Ohio State team that, you know, plays pretty good defense. At least from what I remember, um, you know, obviously not the same uh, Michigan team they had played. Michigan kind of, like, trounced them a little bit. Uh, but other than that, they hadn't really done much defensively, like, in terms of giving up 40-plus points. And, you know, you give up 35 and a half, you're thinking, oh, it's like the next half, they're going to give up another four touchdowns. It's going to be a shootout. And it turned out to be a shootout, just in in another sense that I guess Utah just kind of fell off in the second half. You know, Ohio State, probably the more talented team in terms of, um, you know, just pure skill, pure talent, which is unfortunate to say because, you know, you'd like to say, oh, the pack teams can hang on, but let's just be real here. You go into a game and you're just picking pure raw talent. You know, Ohio State's going to have a better team than Utah 10 out of 10 times. Um, really interesting game, though. Like, obviously, I was more excited about another January game. Watch Matt Corral play. That didn't end up happening. You know, obviously, uh-huh. a what ended up being a small injury, so not that big of a deal. Like, you know, but, you know, and you ever see a guy get carted off, not a great – Not ideal for sure, but um, the Ohio State game really did. It was the only bowl game that you could sit there and watch. Be like, yeah, you know, like this game means nothing. It's great and all, like, but good football is good football, and that was actually like a semi-quality game. So I can't complain about that.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. That was an incredible game and and yeah, you said it. I mean, Utah definitely, you know, put up a great fight and I told Eric before that game I was like, "Utah's going to get destroyed." And that was before I knew that Olave and Wilson were going to play, although that could have kind of been assumed and um, you know, they definitely gave it all they had, but um yeah, that was an instant classic and yeah, you mentioned with with, with Mac Corral too. I did end up watching that old miss and uh Baylor game as well. And um, I was happy for Dave Aranda in that game. Baylor's head coach. He was obviously LSE's defensive coordinator a couple years ago, and he's been a good coach that I've enjoyed following. So I was glad to see them come out on top. And as you mentioned, that corral's injury shouldn't be too, too serious for a guy that I have as my top quarterback going into the draft. So um, yeah. That kind of wraps the book on college football. We'll obviously have some more information once the championship game finishes up. Um so that was nice to be able to discuss that. And then of course. NFL draft. So we're always watching college football literally around the clock. doesn't matter the month college football. I'm watching it. I'm scouting players. So it's good stuff. But having said that, let's move on now. National football league. Wow. It's getting hot. The first week, 18, in the history of the nfl that's still the regular season coming up this weekend but we just finished week 17 there were actually some pretty nice matchups after a couple weeks where it looked kind of eh. so the Bengals and the chiefs wow this was a barn burner i was joking that jamar chase definitely watched jackson smith and jigba and the rose bowl and he was like i can do that too at the nfl level an incredible game for him in this game and joe burrow has been playing really hot and really a marquee win in my opinion for the Bengals. i mean i definitely didn't expect them to storm through this division and come out on top but for them to ultimately do that and get a marquee win here late in the season against Kansas City um, it definitely kind of makes you go whoa okay what do we have here especially in a year where the AFC is a little bit more wide open but um, definitely a great win for them and um, definitely something that uh, you know you look at with Joe Burrow and say wow if they can kind of keep this up you know we'll see how long it can kind of last for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we did see, you know, I just want to preface this by saying Cincinnati got bailed at the end. We know that, you know, obviously the, the last, I think the last drive of the game, especially the last two minutes really kind of killed the, like what football is and what football should be. Uh, you know, we got timeouts and penalties and, you know, oh, the fourth down and all of a sudden, bang, they've got a first down and now they can just kill the clock, uh, which you know, I was thinking, oh, okay, so they're going to kick a field goal here. You know, Mahomes gets the ball back. It should be an instant classic. You know, this is a Mahomes masterpiece waiting to happen. Didn't get that, unfortunately, uh, as somebody who's just rooting for any type of football to be quality, considering I'm a Giants fan and I haven't seen much good football in a long time now. It's been, it's been 84 years, you know, you know, <laughs> that meme. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, and, and it's, you know, it's crazy to say, but like, I think the Bengals are almost like the perfect storm. Obviously they've played incredibly good offensively uh, this year, which is something that, you know, maybe we weren't necessarily sold on them being this good offensively to start off. Uh, you know, a very, very young team, as we mentioned, time and time again, Jamar Chase is really, you know, he's coming to his own so quickly. And as we said last week on the podcast, Joe Burrow is everything you'd ever want out of any quarterback ever. Like, it just seems like this quick, he's already this good. Um, but I think it's even more surprising that Cincinnati has kind of had control of this division for a, a while now, a couple of weeks at this point, considering obviously Baltimore is dealing with a lot of like really, really detrimental injuries. Um, they looked like they were the, the top, the cream of the crop in terms of the division. Uh, and then now they've lost what, four or five straight, which is really unfortunate. Obviously injuries, Lamar Jackson has missed games. Uh, Tyler Hutley was hurt, um, who actually played a decent ball game when he did play. And then you have Pittsburgh, who, you know, obviously, you know, a great send-off for Ben Roethlisberger and everything, but you're missing the playoffs. Season has been tough for you. And then a Cleveland team who looks absolutely useless. So, you know, it, it is nice to see Cincinnati finally back at the top. It's like, obviously, you can think back, like, the Carson Palmer years is the last time they were actually, like, really, like, relevant. Obviously, Andy Dalton was good for, like, a second there, but it's Andy Dalton. You know what you're getting out of him. It is nice to see Bengals fans finally successful because I do think they have one of the better fan bases in football. They're very, very supportive, almost you know, to a detriment similar to Cleveland. I guess it's just an Ohio thing. Um, but it's nice to see Cincinnati like, look like they're going to be a real contender for, for a couple years here. They just got to add on some talent and keep developing their youngsters. I mean, it's like that wide receiving core has got to be, what, like top three, top five in the league?
0: yeah i mean i would say so i think maybe like dallas is like the only team i would kind of put up right there with them and even
1: that's close you have to think about it like we're literally talking about jamar chase has put up just bonkers numbers and then you know we don't even talk about you know obviously tyler boyd's great tyler boyd is very very talented t higgins is a really good receiver too we've got all these guys we've got three like sort of kind of number ones on other teams like if you put tyler boyd on the giants other than kenny galladay like even Tyler Boyd might be better than Kenny Holiday. So it's like, I think it's really nice to have a shift of power at the top because it's like we're so used to seeing the Steelers always good and Baltimore's been so good over these last couple of years. And even Cleveland, like last year they made the playoffs. It's like Cincinnati deserves their shine. And I think, you know, this is a good time for that. Who knows? What's Cincinnati going to do in the playoffs? Who knows?
0: Yeah, I think for me, like I was just a little skeptical that the Bengals O-line was going to kind of hold up. But I mean, they've kind of done a nice job, like they've still been able to execute offense. So I kind of still have that in the back of my head. You know, I wonder if we get to a situation in the playoffs where they say a team like say, you know, Buffalo or New England, who they've been playing defensive football all year. Are they going to kind of get eat up in a situation like that? You know, kind of a classic defense wins championship type mantra, um, you know, obviously playing Kansas City, you know, you're going to be in a shootout. But yeah, um, we've got some different types of teams, different flavors of teams in the AFC, um, as I kind of like to look at it in this kind of weird year that's uh, kind of gone on. But, um, yeah, good talk there. We'll flip over to the NFC East. Um, you know, the best division of football, obviously not. But the Eagles, they're getting in the playoffs. And this is definitely something that was unexpected to me. Uh, They defeat the Washington football team for the second time this season and, um, you know, secure their spot in the wild card round. So a lot of playoff scenarios still to play out in the final week, but seems like there's a good chance they'll play a team like Tampa Bay, maybe a team like the Rams uh, or or someone like that. And I definitely don't think the Eagles would stand on too much of a chance against some of those teams. Um, You know, they've been playing good football, but they really haven't had a high quality win this year. Like quite literally their best win is probably at Denver. Uh, you know, solid team, you know, not a bad win, but like the, to be your best win of the year, I, I don't think that the Eagles really have, uh you know, kind of proved that they can, you know, hang with the upper echelon NFL team. So nice that they made the playoffs, you know, definitely benefited from a pretty easy schedule on the back end, Uh, you know, playing teams in their division who are not good and also the Jets recently, Um, you know, that'll help your stealth esteem scheme, even though I don't think they're playing kind of the cleanest football. They've been running the ball well, which is nice, but I um, still think they're a flawed team overall. But hey, in a first year uh, head coach situation with Nick C- a young offense, a young quarterback, Um, you know, I think there's a lot of positives to take out of that. So they'll finish the season uh, next week against the Cowboys. So um, we'll see how hard they kind of go at that having already clinched the playoff berth.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting because uh, you would assume that Philly is going to play for seeding purposes. Obviously, they're trying to avoid. Yeah, you um, want to beat
0: Dallas anytime you play them too. And I mean,
1: again, you know, you talk about you know not having that signature win. If you beat Dallas in the last week of the season, when Dallas is very much fighting for seeding as well, yeah, you know, there's your signature win there. If they lose, you know, maybe we're thinking, oh, it's like Philly just took advantage of their schedule. They beat the teams they should beat. They lost the team they should lose to. Yeah, kind of how you would have expected it. Not the end of the world, honestly. I mean, I think we talked about it last week, but being able to go on a run at the end of the season is something that the Giants have done very, very well recently uh, after losing the first eight games of their year. And, and it is frustrating if you're a team that's tanking. But if you're a team that is competitive and the Eagles have proven that they are at least competitive-ish. Like, it's yeah. like we saw them play a Kansas City team pretty okay, I'd say. That was a decent game early in the season. Maybe not the best yeah. defensive game you could see in the world, but that's how it's going to go. And then they played Tampa pretty well, I would say, too. Although, you know, Another loss, uh, one score loss, tough. But maybe this Philly team isn't that bad. I don't anticipate them beating Arizona or the Rams or, or you know, right. That, that's that's gonna be a toughie. But it is nice to see.
0: Yeah, I think they definitely just benefited from the fact that the NFC Wild Card is so bad this year, um, which is
1: crazy because we were talking about this. I listened to a podcast we did early in the season, like a preview ish, and we were talking about, oh, you know, the NFC West is gonna be, it's gonna be a battle, it's gonna be, a- yeah. And and those are out, still all
0: the teams that made the playoffs, though. The it Niners, turns out Those are the, the only teams that exist. Because like, Seattle yeah. just like had like the worst year you ever could have imagined. Like, and they're still kind of like, kind of like hanging around. And yeah, like, I mean,
1: like New Orleans, obviously, no quarterback. Taysom win. Hill is playing running yeah. back and quarterback. It's fine. And like Minnesota, you know, Kirk Cousins gets COVID, yeah, and they the get absolutely not been good. That's tough, but the eagles have benefited from being better than all the other mediocre teams that's sure. something you could take pride in
0: yeah i guess you know i i guess <laughs> so right i mean i think that the defense has been you know better than i thought i, I you know i wasn't too high on him but um, and especially some of those games early in the year, like you mentioned, the Kansas City game, they were very leaky in that game. The Dallas game was a disaster. But, um, you know, against bad teams, they've played better football. So that's a win. And, and they've been
1: and, better as you know, the season the has gone on. You have to realize sure. like the
0: running game has been so, play, so money. It's well, been incredible um like it, it's also weird though like watching the eagles every week like everyone's always like oh look at the rushing attack like it's so great and i'm watching it, and i'm like how like how is it like the running backs like the ru- sometimes it's boston scott like jordan howard had a couple weeks where he was looking really good miles sanders was good before he hurt his hand just now like i i don't even understand it and i'm watching it all the time good offensive line you got to give credit to like jason Kels and you know lane johnson up front uh you know jordan my that good tackles, like they, they played good football, but um, you yeah, know, it's kind of interesting. And like I said, a little skeptical on their uh, you know, playoff, how long it'll last, but um, good to see for sure. So, um, switching over to one more game that we saw this past Sunday in the NFL a big NFC matchup between the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Uh, Cardinals who had coming in, you know, kind of slumping a little bit, and Dallas who, you know, is kind of looked for some of those marquee wins as you were texting on earlier. Arizona comes in. Uh, comes in with the win in this one. And um, yeah, Dallas, it's just kind of like, you always look at them and it's like, man, they've got the talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they've had some impact plays, obviously Micah Parsons, but Trayvon Diggs, while he's gotten a lot of picks, has also gotten burned a lot. So you have a lot of kind of give and take with the Cowboys that, sure, you've got kind of the high end of the roster guys, but you wonder if, uh, you know, it's kind of that way all the way through. So yet another kind of missed opportunity for Dallas to get a win against a good NFC team at home.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about this, especially um, the last couple of weeks. And I, I, you can look back, especially at the Kansas City game, where they were absolutely useless. This is a Dallas team that looked like they were basically like confused. They had no idea what they were doing. And this was before they went on a nice little run here to really clinch the division. But if you're a struggling team in the NFC, and you're, you're like a, ta- a talented-ish team, a playoff team, you want to play Dallas at some point, because Dallas will not beat you. I think it's something that we've established time and time again. Even with like the Tony Romo team's um, Dallas has not been able to beat competition for for many years now, and it's it's like maybe it's a little bit surprising. Maybe there's a lot of pressure on these guys. Maybe you know Jerry World is a little bit scary, considering it's like the biggest and the baddest of the arenas of the stadiums and in football and everything. Your fans are very very you know high expectations for you, but it just seems like this Dallas team cannot beat any team with a pulse, especially when it matters in the NFC. You know, you think Arizona is going on what I would say is one of the more like uncalled for skids we would have expected. Obviously we, know they lost to the Rams. You think, Oh, it's the Rams. Like these are going to be good games regardless. Then you lose to Detroit and an India team. That is, you know, let's be realistic. Indy should probably not beat you at home if you're the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, But you bounce back against the Dallas team that, you know, again, if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to happen. Like every other year, the same, same crap's going to happen. We're going to lose in the playoffs. And then it's going to be back to normal. Mike McCarthy's going to, you know, he'll, he'll be under uh, even on the hot seat. And then, you know, it'll be the same thing next year. We'll win 11 games and lose in the first round next year. And then it'll just be a nice cycle of what looks to be, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm very, very sad. Like you just know the expectations are way higher than the actual reality of what they're going to be able to produce.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with all that. So yeah, we'll see how Dallas is able to do, you know, once it's playoffs, you know, big time. Uh, We'll see how they kind of compete there. So good talk over there in the world of football. Um, But with that, we'll shift over now to some hockey thoughts before we get into some of our questions for this episode from our listeners. So shout out to everybody who asked a question. We'll get to those here very shortly. I want to have a couple of things that I want to talk with you about in the NHL, Donnie, because obviously we've been dealing with a lot of postponements in hockey. So the last couple of weeks, we haven't been able to talk as much about what's been going on on the ice. But as we were talking about before we started recording, we're kind of at a point of a season now in the NHL. We, most teams have played at least 30 games. We kind of have a little bit of a sample size. We can start to have a little bit kind of more educated conversation on what we're seeing with some teams this season rather than just kind of how we foresaw them play coming into the year. So I wanted to ask you about two teams, one team in the East, one team in the West that I think have been playing pretty good. And I want to hear your thoughts on if they can kind of maintain this for this year and have any success in the playoffs. So I want to start with the national predators in the Western Conference, you know, back in the Central Division this year. feel like they've been playing pretty solid overall, but they weren't necessarily a team I was looking at before the year as someone that I thought was going to, you know, be among those three spots in that division. They're currently still ahead of teams like Minnesota and Colorado, which is a little bit surprising to me to have seen that, given how they have played and performed in recent seasons. So what are your thoughts overall on how Nashville has played this season? And do you think they could be a team that could kind of sustain this and keep one of those top three spots, um, you know, all the way through this season?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think you can go back to the Blackhawks teams that we talk about so often and how their their dynasties were built on not only the high-end pieces, but they always had the depth pieces that would show sure. up and do things. And we're seeing that a lot out of the National Predators with guys like Tanner Janot, who I feel like he scores every night. It's a guy that I honestly had no idea who he was until like semi-recently. But when you see guys like Tanner Janot and Mikhail Granlin, Yakov, Trent, and guys like that, Ely Tolvin and you know Luke Kuhn and all these guys are – You know, maybe not the best the highest name quality players like you know, Mikhail Grayland's been around for a while. We know we're getting we're getting out of him. But when you get this consistent production, consistent goal scoring and, you know, guys that penalty kill and everything, uh, out of, you know, your your back end pieces or your your middle six and bottom six guys, that's what can really take you. You can go anywhere. Your your possibilities are endless at that point. I think this is a Friends team that does that pretty well. The one thing I would be worried about is can they hang on if you say Saros misses any time? Can they hang on, you know? Um, the Preds ride their goalies. We've seen it with pecarine. We saw that for many, many years. Pecarine played so many games. And eventually, like, you know, obviously a guy like Saros, who's been in the league for a while now, he's never had this type of run to where, I think that I saw somebody tweet the other day that USA Saros is on pace to play 65 games this year, which is, you know, maybe like a normal expectation out of a starting goaltender, but a guy like Saros who's never played over 40 games in his career, that could be a real question mark. And I mean, even like, we, we've seen it time and time again, like with even like Hank, for example, Hank struggled really, really heavily near, you know, um, there were career games where he would end up, you know, there were the years where he'd play 40, 45 games because of injury and everything the next year they wanted to play 70 games. And you're thinking, Oh, that's a real detriment to your potential. That's I could like injuries are more likely your statistics are going to likely go down. If you play more games, like guys like Soros who have not played that many games. So, it's interesting to see if they're going to be able to rely on him long-term. And I think you, as somebody who's seen the Preds a lot and seen Soros quite a few times, um, could will agree with me in the point saying that, you know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about a guy going from being a 40-game max player to 65, 70 games in a season.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, especially considering that, You know, I still think highly of of Nashville kind of overall, as you mentioned, their depth. And, um, you know, especially they've been a team, I feel like that's been kind of known for their back end, guys like Roman Yossi, Matias Yacombe. But, you know, no more Seth Jones, no more Ryan Ellis on that back end. You know, I don't think it's necessarily as strong as some of those teams that Pegarina had. So I thought it was kind of interesting to hear some of your thoughts on that. And, yeah, they have had some guys step up, and to their credit, but it was just a little surprising for me to kind of see them, you know, at this point of the season, they're still, um, you know, better than a team like Colorado, who I think is as serious as a um, cup contender as you're going to find in the NHL. So wanted to bring, the, bring that team up and hear your thoughts. And then bouncing over the East, Another team that has been good in the regular season before, but hasn't gotten over that playoff, on Toronto Maple Leafs. I feel like for them, they are definitely a team that you got to take them a little bit as seriously because we know how much firepower they have up front. But they just seem to always kind of have these things that hold them back in the postseason. They can't get by Boston. They can't get by Columbus. Like, what's going on with them? They can't get by Montreal last year. I mean, do you think at some point Toronto is going to kind of break through? Have you seen anything different out of them this year that makes you think this could be the year? Just want to hear your thoughts overall on the Leafs at this point of the year.
1: Honestly, no. I think it's like the same Leafs team that we've seen the last couple of years. It's like, obviously, last year, the Leafs were as dominant as we've seen them, probably due to them playing the Canadian teams. You know, it's a little bit of a walk in the park when you get to play the Sens. You know, shout out to Owen, obviously, big Sens guy, (laughs) but your team stinks. Um, they're getting abs. better
0: i will defend it, but i will not normally defend owen but I, I feel like the senators they're building something but it's just not right
1: now it's not right now yeah but we've seen these leafs teams like you know they have these really really nice regular seasons, and then you got all of canada and tsn sitting there talking oh it's just a year right and i mean as much as i'd like to believe in a, a jack campbell type guy who's had an incredible incredible yeah. year he's, he's and i feel like the Vezina. defense
0: is better than they've had in the past oh
1: for sure for yeah. sure it, it, it's an important thing to realize there but like this is the same team. It's the, the, the stars, the core is the same team. I don't care who's in net. you know, we're going to have to see all of them show up at some point. And it's something that we've seen a lot of issues with, especially because like, I feel like there's guys like Mitch Marner, for example, is one that gets a lot of slack or a lot of flack for this. But I think all of the, the least stars are like, you know, maybe a little bit inconsistent outside of maybe Austin Matthews, who has been as good of a goal scorer as we've seen in the league the last couple of years. Um, you know, sometimes these guys just don't show up to play hockey. And I mean, it's something that you see, you see with every team. Every team has these guys that slump, but the Leafs just choose the wrong times to slump. So, like the end of the year, into the playoffs, we could see the Leafs really struggle. And then you get to a playoffs when you're playing a team that is probably hotter than you or probably, uh, you know, They've seen, everybody's seen the Leafs. Everybody knows what the Leafs are going to do. You just got to shut down Matthews and you shut down the top line. Cause then it's like, you're relying on guys like Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza, who are 85 years old to go out there and put up points. And then at that point, it's like, you know, maybe I don't want to be relying on guys that are in the old folks home to to carry me to a playoff victory when, you know, I'm paying $50 million to five or six guys, you know, it's, it's a real issue. I think.
0: The Leafs to me are so hard to figure out. Like, I feel like if I was Kyle Dubis, like, I would be looking at that roster and be like, like, yeah, we should be performing this high in the regular season. And they have, but like, why hasn't it happened in the playoffs? I would be losing my mind in terms of like, why can't this break through? Cause well, I feel like is, he's done a nice job with that roster.
1: Yeah. And the thing is they keep rotating in like little depth pieces every year. So like TJ Brody's a nice addition. Like David camp has been really, really good. Obviously you got to see David camp a little bit yep. um, early support. in his career. His very, very quality producer in a certain role, but like, are these guys that are going to play big roles for you come the playoffs? Because it might just be me, but I'm not sure I want David Camp to be out there on, on a penalty kill against, right, you know, a
0: liner in the, the
1: Boston Bruins. You know, you're, you're facing Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, and you've got David Kampf out there. I don't know how I feel about that. Right, and, and yeah. So there are some, obviously you have the high-end offensive pieces, but do you have the depth pieces that can play the PK and, and can really come up clutch? Because, like, you, every team needs depth scoring to win the cup, and I don't know if the Leafs have that real, like, you know, oh, we're going to go out there. We're going to punch you in the face with our third and fourth line. It's like when the Leafs put their third and fourth line out there, I'm sure teams are like salivating. Uh, uh, this is the time to score. This is the time to to take over the game.
0: Yeah, that's actually a pretty good thought. I hadn't really given too much thought to that. Obviously they made kind of that big decision. Like, oh, we're getting John Tavares. You know, I don't think anyone was saying that's a bad idea, but you move on from a guy like Nazem Kadri, who is kind of known for like, yeah, I'll be a physical presence. I'll defend anyone you want out there on the ice. So you kind of wonder, is like, well are they you know their defense it's improved a little bit but other forwards like do they have the matchups and the and the the guys with kind of the defensive intelligence to uh, also kind of combat some of those lines so I thought that was a good point that you brought up there It could be kind of a contributor that I uh, hadn't given too much thought of so just a couple of thoughts on a couple of teams that have been playing hot in the NHL obviously um, a lot of season to go but I feel like at this point we're, we're starting to get to the point where, where we can have some more intelligent conversations on some teams that have surprised us to this point so with that said we'll shift over to questions our first thought keeps us in the NHL so strategically done there by us look at us Donnie wow good stuff but this one comes from our friend AJ uh good man New York Islanders fan and he's got a question for us he says can the Islanders still make the playoffs so obviously the Islanders got off to a really rough start they didn't get to play a home game for about like two months it felt like uh because of how the schedule played out and everything there Islanders obviously still got a long way to go in terms of making the playoffs with Donnie do you think that that could happen for him
1: At this point, I'd say probably not. It's like, I don't think we've seen a team lose 10 or 11 games in a row and then go on and make the playoffs and actually make noise. Um... It's a very, very tough division, as we've talked about. Uh, whenever we talk about hockey, you know, it's like you've got four teams with 41 points or more, including a Pittsburgh team that has really surged of late when they got healthy. You know, we're seeing production out of guys like Evan Rodriguez for Pittsburgh. Whereas you look at the Islanders, they don't have what all these other teams have. So it's like the Rangers, the Capitals, the Hurricanes, Pittsburgh. They all have figured out their depth scoring issues to the point where it's not a problem anymore. And it's like, even the Capitals, you can see guys like Carl Hagelin are going to produce a little bit occasionally, but then you have the Islanders who are still rotating in every moron that they have in their AHL. Like, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, say things about mean about certain players, but I think the Islanders are a very, very weird team in terms of how they've been built. Obviously they've given up a lot of good talent to keep their like little core together. And then obviously the guys they pick up like Palmieri and Pajot have been, you know, replacements for guys like they lost Devon who's had you know, a really, really quality all around year on both yeah. sides, which is something that the Islanders are desperately looking for, considering we've got Zidane O'Tar and Andy Green playing like sizable minutes. Um, I think at this point, they probably dug themselves too much of a hole. Uh, it's really hard to come out with any sort of semblance of like, a win streak when you have to play Washington, Carolina, the Rangers, you have to play Pittsburgh, even like Philly is going to put up a decent fight. And then you have to play the Atlantic with teams like Tampa and Florida who are significantly stronger than you on both ends of the ice and in net. So I would say at this point, probably not. I think the Islanders are a little bit too far out considering they dug themselves a deep hole it's really hard to make up 15 points, 10, 15 points. That's like a a significant, especially when you're playing teams ahead of you, like a Boston team who has the same amount of games or eight points up on you and you're going to play Boston and Boston will likely beat you. Let's just be realistic here.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna kind of get into. Um, in terms of you got to be Boston head to head, like those teams that are ahead of you. Those games, when especially once we start hitting February, once we start hitting March, you know, those become the four point games. It's not even necessarily the teams in your division; it's the teams competing for that wild card spot. If you're an Islanders fan, that's what you're looking at. And it seems like there's been a little kind of bit of a kind of clump and cluster that have kind of come on. That first wild card sure seems like Pittsburgh, and um, they've been playing good. And Carolina, Washington, Rangers—like I think all those teams are, are pretty firm and spots maybe pittsburgh if they go into a huge slump you never know but uh it seems like there's going to be kind of that race like all right we got to hit that second wild card so those teams ahead of you you know philadelphia columbus new jersey detroit you know i think the islanders have a better team than them so you got to beat them head to head if you want any chance those are the teams when you play them on your schedule you got to get two points and make sure they get zero that's going to be your only way to kind of battle back and make the playoffs. It's going to be a big uphill battle. Um, they're going to be right in the hunt. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they finish just a point or two out um, once everything's all said and done. But as you said, it's very, very challenging to do that. You know, you got to really kind of kick it into a high gear. Not that the Islanders are incapable of that, but as of right now, I would bet on them not making the playoffs, although not impossible, as I said, if they're able to win those head to games. So good thought from our friend AJ. Definitely be sure to check him out. Uh, Skates and stakes podcast islanders friends they all uh do a good job over there so appreciate that aj all right moving on two questions from a friend trey in this one always giving us intelligent thoughts and again he gets our mind working here we go first question from trey he says why is sports an anomaly when it comes to fandom it's one of the few things that you are expected to be a fan of no matter how bad they are if you go to a restaurant and it sucks, you aren't expected to keep going to it. And I, I mean, I thought this was such an intelligent thought. I was like, wow, I never really thought about it. But yeah, even though the New York Giants sucked, Donnie, I mean, they're still showing up in your life. It's not like it's just a bad salad. And you're like, I'm just not going and going back to this restaurant and eating this salad. It's a good thought. I mean, what, what are kind of the elements of uh, fandom that, uh, you know, kind of makes it an anomaly as compared to some other things?
1: Well, my only thing, so I had to think about this legitimately and come up with an actual answer. And my only thing is it's all temporary in sports. Like you expect, especially as a New York sports fan, you expect your New York or your high end, even in Chicago for you, you expect the teams that are in large markets to somehow cycle their way back into contention ship or whatever the word is um, within a couple of years. And I think it's the same with, even with the giants, it's like, as bad as it's been the last like decade at this point i got to see two super bowl wins and i'm not mad about that obviously i'd like to see them compete more but it's like if you go to a restaurant for example if it's bad the first time it will probably be bad moving on whereas if you go watch a giants game in 2011 compared to 2021 and 2022 this is a team that won the super bowl 10 years ago and now they're putting up negative 10 yards in a game passing um you expect them to cycle around and figure this thing out it's all temporary in sports whereas you know it maybe feels less temporary if you're a browns fan for example because you cycled through 23 quarterbacks that stunk um along those lines but i think it's just the, the temporary factor and it's also the um you know believing it'll be good obviously with food or if you go to a restaurant or like you watch a movie you don't like an actor you're probably not going to want to watch the actor again in another movie it's just how it works but like there's always an expectation with sports that it's all temporary you know you're gonna they'll figure it out eventually right like Mm. you know even it looks bleak for you as a as a blackhawks fan right now for example but like eventually like give it five or ten years they could be back and, and be better than they were during the dynasty years who knows
0: yeah, the product is always changing, which is something that's interesting. And especially like even when you're bad, sometimes that can be more fun. If you're a fan of rebuilding in the draft, like me, sometimes you're a, you're just like, oh, I'm just especially in field. like hockey. Like it's yeah.
1: fun. You're just sitting there, oh, we got the sixth pick. Oh, there's there's always good players. I can watch all these, uh, or like the Giants with quarterbacks this year. I'm gonna watch Matt Corral highlights and I'd be like, yeah, that's the guy. You might suck. Who who cares? But like, it's just something to look forward to.
0: Yeah, the only thing with the restaurant is like, well, if the restaurant gets a new chef, then maybe you would go back. But you so don't know about giants, that. Nobody's telling you. Yeah, if the Giants go out and get Russell Wilson, then then maybe you're going back to the restaurant rather than when it was Daniel Jones. So that's my only thought. Product keeps <laughs> changing. So there you go. Good thought from Donnie on that. trey has got one more question for us. And he says, advice for those wanting to start a side hustle in entertainment. It says like streaming, YouTubing, podcasting, advice for some people getting started on that. I actually have some uh, some thoughts for you on this, Trey. Good thought for sure um i mean just out of personal experience like first of all find a friend i mean donnie obviously was a was a great person to do a podcast with and made it a lot of fun and um you know it definitely wasn't easy like i I did some podcasts with some other people before this one and i was like eh, you know it was all right steve you know "Eh." but you know you just got to find a good person that um, you know is also interested in, in some of the similar things as you that really helps things out rather than feeling like oh i'm all on my own you know what am i gonna do like it's nice to do it with a friend Another thing I would recommend for you, be consistent. I mean, if if you are just going to kind of like, ah, well, you know, we'll just see how it goes and you're not really self-motivated to do it, um, you know, the the listeners and every, it's not going to happen. You have to find a way to continue to be consistent. Like Donnie and I, like we're just doing it once a week. It's not even necessarily like something that's just a complete burden on our lives. It's just something for fun, but we're consistent with it. We hold ourselves accountable. We're always messaging each other during the week. And, you know, what do we want to talk about this week planning ahead? So being consistent for sure is definitely a big part of that in terms of like, you know, a side hustle and whatnot and then the last one i would say interact with your viewers i mean find the people that that are end up you know interacting with you like get to know them a little bit better that always helps when uh you know, in terms of people wanting to come back and continue listening. So I think questions is awesome for us that we get to, you know, hear from the people that listen to us talk and uh, interact with them a little bit way. So just out of some personal experience for, for, you know, me and this experience I've had with Donnie podcast and do it with a friend, be consistent and interact with your viewers. That's definitely some uh, advice I would give for you on that. But Donnie, anything else to add there?
1: I would just say, you know, worry about the quality first, not the quantity of people that are listening or watching. It's like we may get like three or four dozen people to watch or listen to every episode. And it's like not that big of a deal to us because we're just doing it more to, to get our sports thoughts out. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously good discussion. And, you know, we're not worried about money or anything, which is something that, you know, other people may be more worried about. There's just we're just doing it to, you know it's more something to do and more something to to you know note down oh you know i've produced a podcast or oh I've, I've done a podcast with my friend before uh we have some interest on it um and it's sports you know it's like obviously we have some things that we can talk about we could talk about every night and xbox parties or just in twitter chats whatever it's constantly something that is a part of our life. so find something you're interested in don't worry about the money um experience it's the learning experience you know you'll you'll grow as you start doing these things more and more often if you have issues don't hesitate to ask people that have experience to help you um i think there's a lot of there's a misconception out there that in just in general people that are experienced don't want to help you or they're not there to give you advice or whatever whereas i've learned even with just school I can email like half of my professors that I had classes with after I graduated and they'll respond back and give me some sort of advice. The other half will be like, no, fuck off. I don't, I don't know who you are. Stop bothering me. But you know, I know it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I would just say, you know, focus on perfecting your craft to a point where it's not necessarily perfect, but it makes you happy. That's what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, it's good advice for sure don't pay so much attention to how many people are listening more so than if you're you know confident and, and prideful in your product that you're putting out then it'll be rewarding for you and if it day. makes you
1: happy just be yeah. happy why, why does it why does it matter who's listening or what money you're making or anything just like enjoy yourself
0: exactly good thoughts there appreciate that one from trey yeah i mean Trey he, he's a he's a good man on the uh, pc gaming streets uh, as, a, as a former roommate of mine so if, if Trey starts streaming it we'll have to hype him up uh of course on that one. So appreciate those thoughts from Trey, always every single week, sending me in his questions well in advance. So good man, Trey. We appreciate it. All right, two more questions we got for this episode. Next one comes from my friend Sam at Sam Godsey twenty nine and he says, What is your favorite TV show?
1: So donnie I'll go to you here first. Yeah, you know, I was going to talk about breaking bad or something along those lines, but I actually uh thought, you know, RK and I talked about this before. I'm not gonna take the answer that he may potentially use. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go. So, so it's funny, like Scott and I watch a streamer. Uh, he's been watching MasterChef and I've been watching MasterChef, like MasterChef is a really good show. And I just think in general, I'm a big fan of cooking shows. So it's like, I would show like Matt MasterChef or like chops shows like that. I think that would be the one that, the shows that I spend the most time watching. So at that point, I'll probably go with those as my favorite show. Um, You know, RK obviously didn't want to take your potential answer here. So what do you got for me?
0: Wow, I'm honestly a little surprised, Donnie. I wasn't necessarily expecting you to go that angle, but respect. I mean, shout out to the uh, the Food Network. I'm giving
1: you options.
0: Yeah, there we go. Okay, I'm going to go with this one. You know what? I didn't have like an inherently obvious answer in this one. Like I've seen shows like The Office and like Dexter and – you know, like shows like that, that are, that are pretty good. But um, I, I'll, I'll share a story and then I'll give you my real answer. So when the walking dead was like in its prime, like I was walking to the walking dead, like there were Sundays where like Sunday night football is on and I was choosing to watch the walking dead instead of it, not over the Eagles, but if it was like, you know, ravens and browns i was like all right i'll watch the walking dead so like when the walking dead was in its prime like that was a great show that show fell off hard like it was on way too long so the classic show for me is definitely the simpsons you know from a young age i've always been a huge simpsons fan you know bart simpson he's the man so anyone in my family will tell you that for sure he was a simpsons fan since day one for me so that's definitely my favorite tv show of all time gotta go with that one so shout out to sam on that one good question definitely check sam out french time podcast is good stuff over there so shout out to sam on that one all right, last question, designated spot for my sister Kira, end of the podcast, her question for us, which honestly Donnie and I are not too happy about, but I'm going to read it anyway. Sorry, Kira. But here we
1: go. What's your New Year's resolution? Donnie, what do you got? Um, My New Year's resolution is to not worry about things so much and just kind of live my life. That's my resolution. If I had to put it into one cliche, stupid sentence, that would be what it is. Um, you know, obviously RK and I talked about the resolutions a little bit. Um, maybe just don't make resolutions. Maybe just like make actions instead of just saying things nice. like do things that like, could could be a good idea. I don't know.
0: Yeah. that That's a good thought. Yeah, I just, time. I
1: just want to mention that's okay. not, that's not a slight at cure or anything. I'm not, be, oh, I'm no. not trying to be mean or anything. Just like. Do your thing. Live your life. Like, you know, if you want to do something, do something rather than say, oh, I'm not going to the gym every day this year. Just do it. Just go.
0: Right. This is not a slight against Kira, unlike the time she asked us about death, which she will always claim, like, <laughs> her coworker. But I'm not buying it. You still asked it to us. But, yeah, New Year's resolution. I was literally – quite literally this morning on January 4th So it has been 4 days into this new year i was literally thinking today i was like why does everyone make such a big deal about new year's resolutions in like january 1st like you just it's not like a year thing it's not like you're a new person this entire it's day to day just take things day to day and improve today better than you did yesterday. It's not like you got to improve this year better than last year, it, just take it on a day scale. Like it's not like a, it's a new day resolution. My new day resolution was to be better today and communicate with my friends and, you know, care about people in my life. Like that, that. that's much more important than a new year's resolution. So yeah, that's, that's my knock on the, uh, on the new year's resolution side of things. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about our goals. I mean, I'm definitely excited. I'm about to go out to California for a couple of weeks and be doing some hockey ops out there for another junior team in Ontario, California. So, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for that, you know, take it day by day, make the most of that opportunity and experience and um, you know, keep going from there, but I don't have a, I don't have nothing that I'm like, you know, January 1st, I'm a new person I'm working out way more like now, like, uh, you know, just take it day by day and, and make those improvements. So um, that's my real answer. I wouldn't have shared that if I wasn't thinking about it, like literally this morning, but I was, so there you go. But that's all we got. End of the podcast. End of the podcast, folks. That's what you are now listening to us talking. You made it all the way through. A lot of thoughts we shared, mostly football, some real hockey thoughts. It was good stuff. We didn't really talk about any viruses, which was outstanding. Last couple of weeks have sucked. So it was really nice. It was a good time. Donnie, I'm gonna pass it over to you to wrap things up.
1: You know, Shaq, we said you were gonna be on the podcast this week. It's actually next week. Yep, next uh, you week. know, just we, we we made a mistake <laughs> with that, obviously. The you know, timing is tough um you know maybe look for us to get some guests including Sheikh west on the next couple weeks months who knows what happens yeah. you know we just kind of just sit here and talk and whoever wants to come on the podcast can come on usually they um, tell like, us <laughs> yeah they usually yeah i mean like my my friend drew for example has uh you know party drew has asked if he wants to come on you yeah, maybe maybe we'll have a flyers fan on and so we can talk about how bad carter Hart is um you know unfortunate obviously uh for flyers fans everywhere but uh, I just hope everybody has a great rest of your day. I really enjoyed the questions. I really enjoyed the topics this week. We had a nice podcast and we didn't spend three hours talking, which is good. Shout out to Eric. He spends three hours talking about life and everything. Um, we don't do that here. You know, It's, it's definitely a, a change of pace. Um, but i just hope that everybody enjoyed listening if you have any questions for us feel free to send them anytime during the week and we'll get them on the next episode or you know we'll just answer right there for you if you want it like you know <laughs> uh, if it's if it's a pertinent question we can definitely get that answered quickly i have my notifications on for the twitter account on my phone so if i get something you know i probably won't respond to be honest but i might you know we'll see but uh we really appreciate everybody listen if you listen this deep you are obviously uh folk you, you are a yep. part of officially a, a, you know you're Congrats. part of the crew there you know <laughs> welcome you know we're glad to have you um but from here i will wish you all a, a very happy 2022 obviously i hope your start of your year is good and i hope 2022 2022 is a positive year for all of us um but from here i'm gonna bid you adieu i hope you have a great rest of your evening and we'll talk to you later
0: peace everybody peace life couldn't get better
1: this will be the best day If it ain't about a dream, then it ain't about me Go a couple full weeks without a good night's sleep Imagination, making, musical creation The journey that I'm facing, plus the paper that I'm chasing Got me crazy after saying With the lames I see you hating But there's nothing that you changing